You're listening to Headphones Recommended. I'm Jake, and this is my story. It was January of 2015 when I found out that my first game was nominated in the South by Southwest Gaming Awards. The show was two months away, in the middle of March. My game wasn't done yet, but I thought it was almost done, which is the important part. I had two months to finish, which felt like plenty of time. There's a saying that the first 80% of a project takes 80% of the time, and the last 20% of a project also takes 80% of the time. I had not heard this saying in January of 2015. I didn't have to finish my game for the show, of course. I could travel all the way to Austin, Texas, set up a booth, run that booth for three days, and not sell any copies. That was an option. I decided quickly that it was not an option for me. If I was going to show up to a huge event with an award-nominated game, I was going to do my best with it. My game would be out. I had been working on my game for 11 months already, but I really got to work in January. I had a firm deadline, and I realized that I was going to need all the time I could get. This is also a good time to mention that when I make games, I do almost all the work myself. I do the art, I come up with the rules, I test those rules, I do all of the manufacturing and distribution, I built the website, I answer all the emails, I take all the photos, I do almost everything. For this game, a friend of mine made the instruction manual, and my significant other helped me run the booth at South by Southwest. I did the rest. It was about two weeks until the show when I realized that my game needed a box. Yes, I know. I'm in the future too. With only two weeks, I couldn't outsource boxes and engrave them, nor could I even order generic boxes and sticker them. There simply wasn't time to do anything that I couldn't do myself, so I stuck with what I knew. Sheets of quarter-inch-thick acrylic. I designed a box that's still one of the most beautiful things I've ever crafted. It's made from clear acrylic, all bonded together with chemical solvent. The art and text are engraved on the inside, so the outside is perfectly smooth, like glass. Inside, there are dividers and segments, so the pieces all fit perfectly. The large map tiles in the center and the individual armies of intricately designed samurai and demons in the corners. The lid is assembled into the box with a hardwareless hinge, no screws or joints to hold it in place, just the structure of the box and the lid itself. It's all put together by hand, cut, engraved, and crafted in about an hour per box. I still see a lot of myself in that box. Meticulously detailed, built with love and care, and a reckless disregard for what's possible and what's not. Once I made the prototype box and I was happy with it, I had a realization. I should do something special to celebrate the first copies ever made. 
I decided that I would serialize the first 10 copies I crafted, 1 of 10, 2 of 10, and so on, and I should sell them in unconventional ways to let the people of South by Southwest decide what they're worth. I would do a silent auction for some, I would raffle others, and I would try a blind auction for a few more. It was a bold decision, and I want to preface the rest of the story by saying that it worked well beyond my wildest expectations. I made the right choice. The next part is stressful, so I want you to know in advance that everything turned out okay. Austin, Texas is about 1,600 miles away from Philadelphia, or about 26 hours of raw driving time. If I wanted to ship copies of my game, it was going to cost me about $550 one way, then who knows how much to ship back the copies I didn't sell. That also didn't account for a table, or chairs, or anything else I might need at my booth all of which would be exorbitantly expensive to rent from the expo hall. It also didn't cover my own flight. Alternatively, I could drive to Austin for about $220 in gas round trip, plus a night in a hotel each way. Being a broke board game developer, I decided to drive. By myself. The work of finishing my game proved to be enormous, coming right up against the deadline. I budgeted only two days of travel time because I needed all the time I could get, and I still didn't craft as many copies as I wanted to. There are parts of my game I really wanted to spend more time on, but didn't have a chance to. I really hate my forest art, for instance, but it was good enough, so that would have to do. Finally, the day of departure had arrived. I was packing up my car, which involved first packing up copies of my game, when I ran into a major problem. Those serialized first edition copies? The pieces wouldn't fit. I'm a better designer now. I know that when you're manufacturing things, You should make your components asymmetrical, so there's only one correct way to assemble them. I didn't know this in 2015, nor did I know there was an incorrect way to assemble the boxes that I had designed from scratch. There was. It turns out that if the bottom panel of the box is flipped, the map tiles simply don't fit, kept out by those meticulously designed walls I put in. I had assembled five of the first edition boxes incorrectly, and assembly is permanent, written in solvent bonds that are as strong as the material itself. I was left with a choice. Abandon the first edition idea and just go with the copies I had, or Remake those boxes and leave later in the day. Much later. You know which choice I made. I crafted those boxes again, hand-assembled them when I should have been packing my car, 
and I didn't leave until about 6 p.m. My first day of driving, I had planned to get to the western edge of Tennessee. I got to the eastern edge of Tennessee. Tennessee is about eight hours wide. I checked into an affordable, generic hotel around 2 a.m., told myself I would sleep as late as I was allowed to, and then the next day I would cover the rest of the distance to Austin. Around 10 a.m., I hit the road. I got lunch in Nashville at a barbecue place so good I'm still talking about the peg leg poker five years later. I drove through all of Tennessee. I remember the roads being cracked and awful in Memphis, then just as bad when I crossed the river into other Memphis in Arkansas. I drove and I drove. It was when the sun was setting in Arkansas that I realized just how dire things were going to be. Arkansas is about six hours across, and I was at the welcome station on one end of that line. I was two Adderall and about a gallon of coffee in at that point. I found myself cursing the world for my situation. If only South by Southwest had emailed me earlier, If only I had realized sooner that I needed boxes and had time to think of something faster. What a stupid oversight. If only I hadn't assembled those boxes wrong. If only I had allowed three days of travel instead of two. A hundred bargains went through my mind as I sat in my car, parked at a rest stop. The problem was that they were all focused on fault trying to find the one weak point to blame. None of them would offer me any salve. What good would it do to blame anyone or anything? After all, in most of those cases, I'd still be blaming myself. It was more important to think about responsibility. Whose responsibility was it, right then and there, to get in the car and get to Austin safely. That answer was easy. Mine. Nobody was going to show up to save me. Nobody was going to rewrite the past for me. Nobody could cover that distance but me. So I got back on the road. I wish I could say that the rest of the trip was easy, but it wasn't. This isn't a fairy tale. I took two more Adderall over the course of the day, one every four hours, and by the end of the day I had over a hundred ounces of coffee from gas stations scattered throughout several states. I remember hitting the Texas border around 1am and thinking, finally I'm almost here before realizing that Texas is huge. Hitting the border meant I still had five more hours of driving to go. I did make it to my cousin safely, but it wasn't until 6.30 in the morning. I was vibrating by the time I fell asleep, but I was still intact, and that's all that really mattered. 
I made it to the show on time. People loved my game, it sold really well, and I even got to meet Felicia Day, who I adore. She has copy 10 of 10, and I love that so much. There are a number of lessons to be learned here, from budgeting time to designing better boxes, but the important one is this. Fault is for later. When you find yourself looking for someone or something to blame, know that you do so only to figure out what the future should look like. When you're in it, stuck on the highway with hundreds of miles to go, exhausted and sore, it doesn't matter whose fault that is. You can figure that out later and let it guide your future decisions about boxes, about driving, or whatever else. But right now, right now you're stuck and nobody is coming to save you. Whose responsibility is it to get out? For me, I found my answer in the rear view mirror. Headphones Recommended is written, recorded, and produced by me, Jacob Vanderend. All of these stories are true. This show is ad-free and completely listener-supported by folks just like you. Find out how to get involved at headphones.show, where you can find links to the Patreon, social media, and more. Don't forget to rate the show on your podcast app of choice, and to tell your friends. Every rating and recommendation goes a long way. Questions? Comments? Want to do a guest episode? Want to be a guest artist? Email us at info at headphones.show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Be good to each other out there.